My entire journey in the Lord um, has been away from my family. I, I, I went away to Bible college uh, about a year after I got saved. I went, uh, I moved down here after Bible college, thanks to Holly. And we've been here ever since. And so uh, I'm, I'm nine hours from my mom. I'm 15 hours from my dad. And, and so I'm just kind of out here. And so for me to go back and reconnect with my story, um, it's, it's, it's healthy for me. It's, in a lot of ways, it's healing. And, and, and so my story, I'm wanna, I want to kind of do a segue into the message today because I've just found this to be true over the years. You don't have to agree with me, but, uh, but I think biologically you understand that uh, usually in a healthy live birth, the, the head comes through first before the body. And there are things that Jesus is doing in me that he also wants to do in you. Uh, and, and a lot of that has to do with how we reflect upon and we learn from our own story, the things that we remember along the way. So I'm going to talk a little bit today about remembering because here's what you need to understand. The person of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is the best interpreter of your life story. The person of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is the best interpreter of your life story. How many of you have ever been in conversations with family members and both of you remember the same event, they remembered it far differently than you did? right? You thought it was the greatest thing and they thought it was devastating. Or you thought it was this way and they said it was that way and who's right, who's wrong. You're, what are you doing? You're looking back, you're interpreting the story and you're, and you're saying, okay, this, this is the way it was. And, and, and yet that's what you took away from it be, began a formational process in your life. It made you love that, uh, that, uh, that person or hate that person. It caused you to uh, respond favorably in the future toward them or not. And, and so it's not just what happens to us, it's what we do with what happens to us. And it's important for us to, to constantly go back and remember things. So I spent uh, the past week, I was up in my home area. I was up in Michigan uh, where the, the roads run only north, south, east, west on a grid. Uh, you can never really get lost because you only got to go up a mile and over a mile and back down a mile. You're okay. You, you know, it's the way everything is laid out. Um, uh, I grew up in farm country. Even though my folks split up, they never lived more than about 20 miles apart. And so, uh, so if I was at, at my, my mom's house in Lakeview, Michigan, I'd drive up and I was actually uh, maybe about six or eight miles. I'd drive past my grandparents' home place. They had an 80-acre farm, um, you know, more cows than people in that county. Uh, and, then, uh, and then drive on up to my dad's place in Barrett, Michigan. And so all of those roads are very familiar to me and I've been riding them from the time I was very, very young. And, and so, uh, so when I ride those roads, all the memories come flooding back right? Uh, I remember when we put the car in the ditch. I remember when we hit the deer. I remember when we, you know, uh, and you know, just you name it. I got, I got layers and layers and layers. Some of y'all have that from here. I don't have that from here from my childhood, but, but the, those are the things. And, and so what I want to talk to you today about is, is about what does Jesus want us to remember? What does he want us to remember? I'm going to share a passage of scripture that is very familiar to us from uh, from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 on a communion Sunday. Now, this is not a communion Sunday. We typically do that, and we will do that next Sunday. It'll be the first Sunday of the month. But we brought out extra communion cups today. 
And there should be some around you there um, because we might, in the, in the service a little bit later, if you want to take communion, uh, I want to encourage you to do so. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, you should have it in your notes, should be on the screen. But let's read this together out loud. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and read the, the Acts 4 passage too. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, let me go back to the 1 Corinthians passage, and let me just talk to you and ask you a couple of questions. Let's just have a, a, a dialogue here for a minute. What do you think Jesus wants us to remember when he says, here's the new covenant in my blood. He's holding up a cup, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, in the body of Christ as a whole, sometimes churches get caught up in remembering the wrong things about Jesus. And here's what I'm saying. There are, there are streams in the body of Christ that will look at the cross or they will look at the, uh, the crucifixion and, and they will elevate the memorial side of it and the sorrow, the grieving, the what Jesus went through all this agony on our behalf. He went through all this pain on our behalf. Jesus laid everything down on our behalf. And so they, so they slide their little scale over to the pain and the agony of Jesus as if it's through the pain and the agony of Jesus that that's the most important thing that we hang on to, that Jesus wants us to remember how painful was his death on the cross. Are you tracking with me? How many of you have ever sat in a service like that? How many of you have ever taken communion where there was, you know, let's just talk about the agony of Jesus here for a minute, you know. And uh, as if, now as if nobody else ever, 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 ever suffered, right? What was unique about Jesus was that his suffering brought him into the place where the Father could lay on him all of our sins, and all of our infirmities, and Jesus endured the cross and came out on the other side of the cross. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father, by which he inherited a name that is above every other name, by which he has all authority, by which, oh, by the way, the title deed to all of humanity is in his hand. So does Jesus want us to remember the pain and the suffering as he went through the cross, the Passion Week that we talk about? Or does he want us, when we come to the table of the Lord, to remember the victory that was won, the life that is available, and the promises that were ratified by his own death? Because we can, we can have a really bad grieving, you know, time where we can just talk about how bad it was and how painful it was and how everything he endured. And, and is it true? Yeah, it's true. I don't want to take anything away from that. But people have suffered for the kingdom grievous deaths before. What was unique about Jesus' death was that he didn't stay dead. That Jesus is alive and he's Lord and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And everything that we have need of, he now provides for us. What does Jesus want us to remember? He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is the new covenant. New 
Meaning it's never been done before. It's never been seen before. It's now made available and it wasn't before. But this is the new covenant in my blood. Covenant means he has this. He's established something forever. He's established it forever. And it's, and he did it. It's in my blood. Old covenants, other covenants of, of the past, God made covenants with various people. God made a covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant with uh, Noah, right? He makes these covenants, and these covenants are between one man, and they affect many, but they are made between God and one person. So we know those covenants are established. I want, I'm going to stretch you a little bit today, and I'll talk a little bit more about this next week because we're going to spend a few weeks talking about covenant relationships. And this, uh, this is going to sound weird in your ears, and at first you'll reject it. Can I just tell you that? But bear with me. God doesn't have a covenant with you. God has a covenant with Jesus as the head of another race. Now, the reason you don't want God to have a covenant with you is because you would violate it. You would break it. It would be dependent always, always, always on your obedience. And that's what the law was. As long as you do this, then I will do this. But because Jesus did it all right... We are the beneficiaries. You know what a beneficiary is? If there's a good inheritance, you want to be a beneficiary. If there's a bunch of debt, you don't want to be the beneficiary. So what Jesus did was he did all of the work as the perfect and spotless Lamb of God. And your name and mine, by faith, we come to him by faith and we say, yes, I want what Jesus did on my behalf to count on in my favor. I want to be the beneficiary of the covenant that Father has with Son. So Jesus did what he did on your behalf and mine because we could not do it on our own. Because we, we could not live up to God's standards, God sent Jesus to live up to those standards on our behalf. So we don't put our faith in what we do, we put our faith in what Jesus did. And when we put our faith in what Jesus did, we receive grace, we receive power, we receive strength. And if it was all on what we did, and see a lot of times I see people not walking in covenant because they say, Pastor Ken, it was a really bad night, I had a fight with such, so and so, or, or things didn't work out. Man, the devil works overtime in your homes on Sunday mornings uh, to cause disruption in the the force. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's disruption in the Kramer force on Sunday morning. What is he trying to do? He's trying to get you over and, and, and you know, thinking that this thing all rides on you. And if you don't do it right, that somehow or another that you are less than what God intended. And, and that what, what he's trying to do is get you off this understanding of covenant. It's not about what I do or don't do. It's about the spotless Lamb of God. You know, that I, when I look to Him, I, in Him I am complete. In Him I walk out as a sinless human being because I have the benefit of His sinlessness. I could just spend a week on that. And maybe I will, but not today. So here, here's, a, 
here's the reality, and, and this, is, this is me telling some stories that, come, that connect in with this, okay? So, um, the last two weeks, uh, I've done a, a, a couple of uh, uh, weddings, also had a funeral mixed into that. It's been, it's been a busy time. But weddings um, are, are a reminder, and, and they're a reminder that this thing has got to be done a covenant way. It cannot be done a contractual way. And so every time I, I, I stand up in front of a couple who are coming together and, and you know, and, I, and I've said this before, okay, I, I, there's, a, there, there's a couple uh, that she's gone on to be with the Lord and, and uh, you know, but I remember, I remember in my office, 28 years ago, uh, in my office, uh, sitting with a couple and she was pregnant and they had one child each between them and she was eight months pregnant and, and they said, we need a preacher to marry us. And I sat right there and I said, I don't give this a snowball's chance. Unless you give your lives to Jesus, you make this church your home, and you serve God. If you're willing to do those things, I will marry you. I'm not really into weddings. I'm into long-term marriages. I'm into establishing covenant, because that's what God's into. And so they said yes. And I led the entire family to Jesus. And they were an active part of this house for many, many, many years. Because they did covenant. See, the minute two imperfect people start to nitpick one another, well, you don't have to look far. You don't have to look far to find something wrong. You don't have to look far. You know, all you have to do is, is, is have maybe even less than 20-20 vision and you'll find something wrong with that person standing in front of you. Why? Because we're all imperfect. Amen. And the only strength of that relationship is the third strand of the cord that you cannot see with your eyes. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken, the scripture says. And it's the covenant that wraps the two of them together. Where Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, if you'll hear these words of mine and put them into practice, it's like building your house on a solid foundation. But if you hear my words and you don't put them into practice, your house is built on sand and it's just waiting for the next storm. And it will fall flat. It will fall flat. So what's the difference? The difference is covenant. And it's light and day, uh, light, uh, light and dark different between covenant and contract. You've got to understand covenant because if you don't understand covenant, you won't walk in it. And if you don't walk in it, your relationships will not work. So yesterday, I'm standing before Sam and Tegan and I'm reflecting. I'm reflecting about this couple that, uh, you know, the gardeners that came down and they, they got plugged in at Lighthouse. Remember, uh, not all that long ago, Rick and Shelly in my office sitting with Holly and I, and they just came and they said, you know, we love Jesus. We feel like Jesus has led us here. These are the kind of things we've done in the past, and we're willing to serve wherever. And then, and then Tegan comes, and you all have been blessed by Tegan's uh, leadership and worship in here. And then I uh, connected Sam, with Sam early on. And, and he said, Man, I'm feeling a call in ministry and I want to figure that out. I want to, okay, come on, come on. But I'm, I'm watching and I'm listening and I'm loving these two families coming together that did their level best, all of us imperfect, but they did their level best to raise their kids in the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And it's just a beautiful thing, right? But even with all of that, if Sam and Tegan don't work covenant in their relationship, 
It's just not going to work. Jesus wants us to remember. He wants us to remember him when we're struggling, that we can call on his name. And that we should call on his name. He wants us to remember that when we've blown it, that's the time to call on his name. And when, and when we just got the promotion, that's the time to call on his name. And, and when we're not sure about which way to go, that's the time to call on his name. And when we figure it all out, that's the time to call on his name. You remember Jesus. You remember that he gets the glory for all the good. You remember that he will help you through the bad. You remember all of that. And why? Because he is the strength of your life. He is the strength of your life. He's what you need. He's a, if you'll get so addicted to Jesus, there won't be any other room for addictions in your life. I just got to have more of him. Any, any shortcoming in my life is just, it's just a measuring stick for where I need to fill up on him. Why? Because he's given me everything I need for life and for godliness through my knowledge of him. Why am I sharing all these stories? Because you all are my family. You're part of my story even though my story, you know, uh, uh, let, me, let me tell you a couple of things that, you know, so went up to Michigan last week to be with dad and dad doesn't drive as much as he used to and um, he's got a, a touch of uh, dementia. He, I know he's watching right now and uh, hey, you're still liking that breezeway I vinyl sided for you, didn't you? Yeah. Got, we put like four, four uh, cords of wood up for him and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and so, you know, being able to stay in touch with my story. I, I went down the, the road. We don't own the home place anymore that my grandparents had. We sold it to one of the farmers nearby. But all of these memories flood back, right? And so uh, ever since I became a minister of the gospel, I typically do the, the family weddings. But I also do all the family funerals. And, uh, and that can be a challenge, you know, because, you know, wearing two hats like that. And so I remember a number of years ago when my grandmother passed and she was in her mid to late 80s, I think. I, I lose track of that. But Graham was the person that prayed me into the kingdom. Graham was the person that, that spoke lovingly to me as she was handing me my second piece of apple pie and saying, Kenny, Jesus has got a really good plan for your life. And I didn't know what that meant at seven. And I didn't know what it meant at 15. But man, when I got saved and born again at 18, I wanted to talk to that woman all the time. You know, I said, Graham, do you have any regrets about serving God? She said, you know, Kenny, I do. And I, that was the last thing that I thought I would ever hear. She said, I was 18 years old before somebody told me about Jesus. And I think about all those wasted years that I had. Why didn't somebody tell me about Jesus before I was 18? If you're going to have one regret, I want one more day to know Jesus. I wish I had more days that I could have known Jesus. And that was her testimony. And I remember uh, it was a cold, it was, uh, it, she died on an Easter, Easter Sunday. My mom was here visiting us. We drove 15 hours and, and I get back to the home place and I'm walking down the road and I'm, I'm feeling the weight of it. I'm feeling the heaviness of I'm going to that afternoon, I'm going to go stand in, in front of Graham's casket and I'm going to tell the stories and I'm going to preach the gospel and I'm going to, and I'm going to try to get through it. Right. Cause this is the woman, this is the woman that, I mean, my, my mom, uh, I know my mom prayed for me, but, but longer because of age, my, I know my grandmother prayed for me. She just prayed for me all those years. And and as I'm walking down the road, uh, I, I, I'm thinking, I wish I could talk to somebody. I wish I need somebody to pray for me. 
And, and I don't know exactly which came first because I haven't really tried to process this part. But I remember at the same time that I got, a, I, I saw some digits in my head. I saw a phone number and I saw Hope Jenkins' face. Now, Hope Jenkins was a spiritual mother to me in this house for many, many years. And, uh, and I remember at that moment, I didn't know, uh, I, you know, I was in, uh, push pause on this thought for a minute. Um, how many of you are analog people? You remember the rotary phone. You remember having to have a Rolodex, that'll date you too, a Rolodex in your head. You, you, you used to memorize a lot of numbers because, you know, the people that you called the most, you remembered the numbers, you didn't need that notebook anymore, whatever, whatever. And then the digital world comes along. And you ain't got to remember no numbers because your phone remembers all your numbers until you break it and lose all your contacts. And then you panic. But note to self, right? So I was, this was a season where we were bridging the analog world and the digital world, and, and I could not remember Hope's number, nor did I think that I needed to call Hope. But in the, it, as I'm walking down 70th Avenue, which sounds really big, but it's a, it's a chatter-bumped old farm road. As I'm walking down 70th Avenue, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, I wish I could talk to somebody. And I'm down there, it's Gramps 80 acres, and I see the acreage over here on my left, and I'm walking back, and I could take you to that spot right now. I know exactly where I was. And I, and I saw Hope's face, and I saw a phone number. Huh. I wonder if. And I'm just going to be a man willing to walk by faith, and I go back to Graham, Grandpa and Graham's house, and they still have the rotary phone. <laughs> and I dial up, and it's Hope. She's on the other end of the phone. That was a miracle. And I, I, I start to talk to her, and at first she, she sounds a little weak, and then all of a sudden I feel, uh, I feel strength in her voice. Now what I didn't know was Hope was home with a kidney infection laying on the couch, and she wasn't in, a, in good shape. And I'm talking with her, and I said, Hope, I'm doing Graham's funeral today, and I wish you would pray for me. She prayed, <laughs> but I don't know who got more blessed. Because she was strengthened. Right then when she prayed, there was, a, there was this demand placed on her intercession. And that anointing began to flow. Yeah. And I felt God touch me. And I was, thank you. Thank you for that. And he reminded me. Because some, all these years that I've been away from family, he reminds me. He says, no one who gives up houses or lands. Our brothers or sisters, our fathers or mothers, in my name will fail to receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. So when I look around and I see these ladies that have blessed me over the years, they, they, they've been my, my spiritual mothers. They've been my spiritual grandmothers. I, I see brothers and sisters that I would have had back home if I'd stayed back home, but I didn't stay back home. And so you all are my family. You all are my family, and, and, and you're my family in Jesus, which is amazing, but it's even closer than blood. I don't know how that works, but it's, it, it's the reality. Yeah. It's the reality, and, and wherever I go, it happens. Let me tell you a quick story uh, uh, about this. So, uh, so many, many years ago, uh, I was with the Ericsons, and we were in India. It was 1995, and 
I remember, uh, I remember preaching at an open-air meeting. It was, a, it was a, probably about 20,000 um, Indians there. And, and they, were, they were there to hear the gospel. This is poverty, poverty, lowest of the low. Uh, you know, they, they have very, very little. And so when you preach the gospel, man, you got to have some, you got to have the power with you, right? So we're praying for healing. So anybody that needs healed and manages the place just empties out because they got no health care. Everybody's got something that might have, uh, Walgreens might have fixed for them. They can't get. And, and so, so they're down at the altar. And I get down there and I begin to pray for a guy. And his eyes are, are cloudy. Like there's so much milk in his eyes that you just know and he's not seeing anything, right? There's no pupil. You can't see it. But he's down there. And I pray for him. Uh, and as I'm praying for him, his eyes clear up. I just want to take all of y'all with me on a missions trip sometime. Because it will change your reality. You know, we, when we think about healing in America, we think about doctors, we think about clinics, we think about when, when, when you go into another nation where that is not a possibility and you mention the name of Jesus, people get healed, that just causes your faith to just woo, right? And so this guy, as soon as he could see, he confessed Jesus. Man, I want uh, that Jesus healed me. I give my life to him right now. I mean, it was just that quick, right? Healing is the dinner bell for the lost. When, when as soon as Jesus does something tangible for somebody, they're like, I'm all in. I'm all in. I don't care what I got to do. And so this guy uh, gives his life to the Lord. And, and then he, he grabs a hold of my interpreter and he pulls on his jacket and he says, hey, he says, um, can you ask this brother to give me a Christian name? Because he said, I was named after a Hindu God, and Jesus is Lord of my life, and I don't want to be named after a Hindu God from this day forward. Talk about an identity shift right there in that moment. And, and so without, it was out my mouth before I ever knew it. I said, I'm going to call him Daniel. His name's Daniel. Looked right at him right now. Your name's Daniel. And I didn't know that I was going to have a Daniel in my life a few years later. Yeah. But there it was, Right? And so here, here was this reality, right? And, and so then watching the Lord through the years do thread my story, even into the nations. What does Jesus want us to remember? He wants us to remember that he is building his kingdom in the earth. And he wants to use us as we hold fast to the covenant right? As we hold fast to the covenant, he wants to bring things to pass in our lives. But we've got to remember. My job as a pastor, again, going back to, going back to uh, watching Tegan and Sam yesterday. I mean, just, just think about this. How that God puts Adam to sleep, which means he has no earthly involvement in it. He was sleeping. Right? He didn't lift a finger to contribute to God's provision. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Puts the man to sleep. Takes a rib from his side. Brings her to the man to see what he's going to name her. He says... He immediately recognizes this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. How did she get out of my body? <laughs> she's out there, but she's connected to me. How did that work? Right? Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. 
The two shall become one. This is a mystery that happens in God. This is a mystery. It's not contractual. It's covenant. Because blood was shed in order for the woman to come from the side. Right? Fast forward to the cross at Golgotha. Jesus crucified. And what's the last thing that happens before they take him down? The soldier takes the spear, plunges it into the side of Jesus. Blood and water flows. And in that moment, a new covenant was released in the earth. And Jesus' bride comes into being. The church came from Jesus' side. And he will fight against anything that messes with his bride. Why does God hate division so badly in the church? Because you're messing with his bride. Why do you divide me? Why do you persecute me? Why do you slander against me? Why do you gossip against me? And I'm just here to tell you, church, not in this house. Not in this house. I'm not responsible for how other churches do, but I'm responsible for what happens here. We are a covenant people. Are we imperfect? Absolutely. I've got imperfections you know not of, but if you give me a minute, I'll tell you them. Because I'm not on this platform because I'm perfect. I'm on this platform because I understand that I need Jesus and I need his covenant. And if I can keep reminding you, it also reminds me. And we walk in covenant together. And covenant means that I can't hold anything against you. That means I have to learn to forgive. And anybody in this house, if you're, if you're married, you know 20 minutes after you say I do, you can offend one another. And what you got to do is you just got to be really good at perfecting this act of forgiveness and walking that out. You just have to become really good at it, you know. When, when Holly and I first got married, which is 33 years ago, a couple days ago. And, and when we first got married, you know, if we would have a tiff, it might take, it might take a couple weeks for me to get on the other side of it. Not her. She was much better at it than me. But eventually it got down to a couple days. Eventually it got down to a day. Eventually it got down to, okay, I could really walk in Ephesians where it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Like I used to preach that before I could actually do it. But it's the word, so you got to preach it. Eventually it got down to about 20 minutes. Like I don't want anything to come between she and I. I don't, I don't want any, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have disagreements because of communication. She sees it one way, I see it another way. But then quickly we move to the place of peace. Okay, where do we go from here? What's the Lord want to do? What's our way forward? Not Ken's way, not Holly's way. What's our way in Jesus? How do we, let's arrive at that. And before we leave today, I want to pray over your marriages. I want to pray that you're reminded of the covenant that is the strength between the two of you. Because you are imperfect as I am, but he does all things well. And as Daniel said last week, he perfects the things that concern us. And ought nothing to concern you more than your relationship to that person who's nearest you. Amen? And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to create a, a, a doubt. 
He wants to create a fissure. He wants to create a, a division. He wants to, all it would take was, is the smallest thing. He doesn't really care, but he will use it and he will exploit it until it causes, it looks like this massive separation, but it was just a really small little thing, right? And so we remember the Lord today because we remember that he is the one that makes covenant work. So I want to pray for you. Let's all stand in this place. And the Lord's going to do a healing work this morning. Thank you. The Lord's going to do a healing work this morning in in your relationships. I I believe that with all my heart, as, as sure as I'm standing here today. And the Lord is going to bring healing to those of you that have been broken in relationships in the past. Because he still is saying to you, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for a woman to be alone. It's not good. He, he sees us complete. He sees us whole. And so it could be that out of that last relationship you're in, that there's still remnants and, and, and debris and hurt. There are wounds there. Jesus wants to bring healing. He wants to bring healing. And he wants you to realize it's not because you're perfect or imperfect. It's because you and I can't add anything to what he has done. Just like he put Adam to sleep to bring Eve. And he put Jesus on the cross to create a church. We can't add anything to it. We don't bring anything to the table except our faith. And we just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe. So if you, if you want to, if you want to come to the altar today, you can come to the altar. If you want to stay where you're at, it's okay too. But I encourage you, step out. Do something you don't normally do. Today we're all walking on water. I'm leading out, but you're walking with me. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. They were unschooled, ordinary men. But they had been with Jesus. God's not looking at your bank account today. God's not looking at your title. God's not looking at what you have going for you. He's just looking for faith. He's just looking for, do you believe that I am able to do what I say? Do you believe that I'm able to work my work in your life? Do you believe that? And if you step out in faith, you will see what Jesus can do. Amen? My greatest joy is watching the work of God in your life. My greatest joy is watching what Jesus does as you walk out your faith. And I watch that grace flow into your life. I watch kids that have been away from God come home. I watch marriages get healed. That's my greatest joy. That is my greatest joy. There is nothing else like it. It's what allows me that has this adventure gene, this gadget bent that likes the latest thing to stay in one place for over 30 years. Because the new thing that Jesus is doing in you is what I get excited about. And I'm ready to watch God work in your life today. Praise God. Praise God. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. We bring before you this precious person in our lives. Holly, will you come up here? Father, we just thank you 
for covenant relationship today. Lord, I know with Holly that even though we've been married 33 years, there's still things we learn. There's still things we need to know. We haven't gotten it all figured out. We, we have a well-worn path, but yet, Lord, there are things that you show us because it's a new season. It's a new day. This is, you're doing a new thing. And so, Lord, we're, we're walking that out. But, Father, we pray right now, Lord, over our spouses. We pray over them, God, that you would show us, Lord, what it is that you're doing in them, that you would help us, Lord God, uh, to intercede as we ought to intercede, to, to call forth the good, to call forth the promise of God, to call forth the anointing on their lives. Father, in the name of Jesus today, Lord God, we we bring ourselves back under the covenant. We reaffirm the covenant relationship that we have. Lord, we can't do it on our own, but we can trust in you and you are more than enough because you're more than enough, God. You said, I have come to give you life and life more abundant. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus over these marriages, Lord. Where there's been hurt, we release healing right now in Jesus' name. Where there's been ought against one another, forgiveness will flow right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, not because uh, we feel it, but because as an act of our will, we are empowered to be able to do it because of covenant. Because of the covenant today. Because of what you did on our behalf. We recognize we are able, we are empowered right now in the name of Jesus to be able to forgive. And so right now in Jesus name we forgive and we release. We forgive and we release. Say it out loud. I forgive and I release. Anyone that under the sound of my voice Lord that needs that word today that they would receive that and they would forgive and release right now in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, can I just tell you that if we don't forgive and release, what ends up happening is that the enemy will find a foothold in our in our relationship. He will find something and he'll begin to exploit it. It'll be a bruise, it'll be a hurt, it'll be a hindrance, and he'll pound and pound and pound and pound until you give up and you say, I just got nothing left. I got no fight left. It's just too painful. So we got to take that back right now. So in the name of Jesus, we come against every plan of the devil to divide, every plan of the enemy to distract, every plan of the enemy for divorce. We cancel it right now in the name of Jesus. There is no authority in this house of the devil to divide marriages. We hinder it. We stop it. We break its power right now in Jesus' name. Right now we bring ourselves into remembrance of the blood of Jesus, that covenant that is eternal, that covenant that makes it, makes it possible that every promise of God is yes and amen over these marriages. The promise of wholeness, the promise of provision, the promise of healing, the promise of, uh, of one generation after the next serving God, the promise that salvation will come to this house today because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Holly, do you have something that, that uh, the Lord's stirring in you? Feel free to share it. Just stay in his presence right now. Let the Lord do his work in you. Let him bring that peace to you. Let him bring that healing in your marriage. Stop keeping score. Good. Um, I've done it in our marriage. I don't do it outwardly, but I do it inwardly. I keep score. And... 
The only thing that made the covenant work between Jesus and his bride was that his blood covered every sin and every stain. And I know you think, well, how can I, how can you do that in a marriage? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's right. He is the better changer of my spouse than I can ever be. And when I keep score, I begin to, I, I allow the enemy to bring the division in the covenant. Stop keeping score. Yeah, yeah. I know you think, oh, I don't know what else to do. I don't know how else to do it. Pray in the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. Use your prayer language and pray because the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to go to that. Because you know what? When I keep score, I only keep score by what I see and understand and my knowing and my seeing. I don't even see the depths of where that's coming from. Only the Holy Spirit knows. So why would I keep score and waste my time at the very things that aren't going to bring about the desired results? Because it's the work of the Holy Spirit that will do the change. Not me, not my efforts, not my work. So stop keeping score and pray in the Holy Spirit and let him do it. You guys, our marriages are the greatest reflection of the love of Jesus there could ever be. That's right. And when you let division flow from your marriage, you hinder the work of the cross. That's right. We hinder the work of the cross, and we can't do it. Jesus, I pray over our marriages that they would be healthy representations of the precious love that you poured out for your church and for your bride. Lord Jesus, that it would be the very thing that draws others to you. That's right. As they watch our marriage, they watch our tough times, they watch our victories, they watch our stumbling, but they watch, Lord Jesus, the work of Christ in us and through us. And that's what draws them, Lord, to the work of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And to salvation. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for anointed marriages in this house that walk throughout their uh, community, this community, Lord Jesus, and carry the anointing and the presence and the power of Jesus to change lives. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your covenant work with us. Yes, God. And then we can walk that covenant out with our spouses. In Jesus' name, Lord. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we pray for your blessing on each and every home whether whether there be two uh, adults there or not we pray your blessing over every home in the name of Jesus Lord that you would turn your face to your people like never before that there would be such favor such peace in our homes God that Lord our homes would be a sanctuary for your presence God that you would abide with us. You said, Lord, and if, if uh, you abide with me and my word abides with you, ask what you will and it will be done by my Father in heaven. Lord, I pray for an abiding spirit, Lord, in every home, in every bedroom, in every living room, in every kitchen. Lord, abide with us. We want to walk in your blessing. Help us to be constantly present, uh, aware of your presence, God. That Jesus, you go with us always. That your presence is just as real at this altar, but it's just as real in our living room. And it's just as real in the midst of our conversations. Help us to remember that, Lord. Help us to remember that and help us to see your smile in our relationships and our interactions, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Love you, church. Love you, church. God bless you.